0: Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Householder, joined by Alex Sutton, bringing you your fantasy football content from A to Z. Thanks for tuning in. What is up everyone? Welcome into this episode of the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I am joined by Alex Sutton. How are you doing?
1: Do you ever wonder if you would do good on the show Are You Smarter than a Third Grader?
0: Smarter than a Fifth Grader, so you're already off to a bad start. Yeah, (laughs) wouldn't do good. Wouldn't do good. No, I haven't. I used to watch that show, but I have not spent much of my time recently thinking about that. You ever watch any episodes with Cena? No, I've never even heard of Cena. Are you talking about John Cena? Doo, 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 doo. Yeah. Can't see him, dude. But yeah, he—I think he
1: hosted like a season or two, maybe. I just watched him as Jeff Foxworthy. So, I mean, that's when they were good. Cena, honestly, they dogged the guy. Tries too hard.
0: Just didn't go well. That's all right, dude. How have you been? Dude, we spent last weekend together up the lake with your sure family been. and my sure fiance. So big news How's that for saying? this guy. How that make you feel when you say it? It's exciting, man. Wedding planning is very stressful. I'm ready for that to be done, but very hey, excited about. I won't lie. Yeah, very excited about the next season for us. Um, it, it was a good to surprise her, and then it was good to take a couple days and spend up the lake with you and your fam. So, a lot of fun. Happy to have you. Dude, I appreciate that. Well. Tonight, we are going to be talking about our top 12 wide receivers. First off, I want to apologize for the delay in releasing this pod. Obviously, there was a lot going on last week. Alex is on vacation the whole week. I had the proposal, and then I went into a vacation, so we didn't have our normal recording schedule intact. Uh, That being said, a lot of cool things have happened over the past few days, uh, including but not limited to the awesome intro you heard before the pod started. A new Twitter header photo with my boy Alvin Kamara. I'm really excited about that. And then we also reverted to our original Twitter handle at A to Z FFB. We've dropped the underscore. The story back, behind baby. the underscore is we started this back in April. Our original Twitter, which is now called Reflex FFB, I just changed the name, but it's still like our page. I changed the date of birth to the day that we started like creating content per se. And it locked me out of the account because it said I was two months old. And if you don't know, you have to be 13 years old to manage or operate a Twitter account. So I was locked out for about two to three weeks and I got really impatient. Twitter was backlogged because everyone was on Twitter because it was the beginning of quarantine. And I said, I'm just going to make a new one. And it was a pain to restart and rebuild, but we met some really great people along the way and now we're pushing 200 followers, which is really exciting. So it's been fun. Um, yeah, it's been a week of changes and then, yeah, we're excited. So we're going to hop into a wide receiver episode tonight. All right, Al, right off the bat, we have a little bit of a debate. You have Michael Thomas at number one. I have Michael Thomas at number two. What makes you think that Thomas is going to repeat as the wide receiver one in fantasy football this year?
1: Uh, I would say the, the Michael. I believe Michael Thomas's skill set is um, of better quality, I guess, than Devontae Adams. I also think the the offensive schemes uh, play a little bit more favor to Michael Thomas. Uh, New Orleans has, which and I guess Green Bay has. They have other offensive weapons as well, but I think the. The Saints offense just overall is a little, a little bit well oiled machine than Green Bay. Um, but I mean, you saw Michael Thomas put up prolific numbers last year, and I'm not, um, they're not, they're not going to be as good this year as they were last year. But I do think that uh, he has the ability to to put up pretty decent numbers again this year. Like I have him for 130 receptions, just over 1500 yards and nine touchdowns. So, I mean, that's down a little bit last year, maybe uh, just over 1700 yards and 149 receptions. So, I mean, he's young, he can do it. He's got the speed, he's got the hands.
0: It's actually not very fast, but he's always open. So the speed is trivial, but yeah, I agree. I Having him as number one, Makes all the sense in the world, especially after what he did last year. But segueing into why he's my number two is because what he did last year is in all likelihood unrepeatable. So he broke the all time reception record in a single season. He had 185 targets, catching 149 of them, like you said, Um, pushing, he eclipsed 1,700 yards. It was insane. It was so efficient, and he is a very efficient player. He catches a high percentage of his balls. Last year, he caught 80.5% of 185 targets. That is insane. It's very, very efficient, and that's kind of the player he has come to be known as. It's just a guy who catches everything, can't guard Mike. He's always open. But looking back, even at 2018, where – he did all these things in 2018, his catch percentage was even higher. He had 147 targets, caught 125 passes. I think that's a more sustainable number for him. It's still elite. Like in 2018, he finished as a wide receiver six in half PPR scoring. So I'm, I'm having him, I have him at wide receiver two. I think he might go a little bit above what he did in 2018 or kind of regress back into that direction there's no way he's going to be up at 185 targets again i actually just adjusted his targets down to 157 122 receptions um almost 1500 yards so um yeah he's very solid and, you know that might be enough to propel him to a wide receiver one season but i have Devonte adams at number one and I do agree with what you said. The Saints offense is probably a little bit more of a well-oiled machine than the Packers. Last year, we saw the Packers get it done on the ground. Aaron Jones had 19 touchdowns, uh, 16 rushing, 3 receiving. And everyone and their mother knows that his rushing touchdowns are coming back down. We both have him down. I have him at 10, you have him at 9. If the Packers are going to score points and we expect the rushing to come down, I think that obviously turns back to receiving and Devonte Adams is a perennial double digit touchdown scorer. He's been in the double digit range outside of last year, the previous three seasons last year, he only had five touchdowns. He was also injured. And I think this year, like we said, if the rushing goes down, the rushing touchdowns come down the receiving touchdowns have to go back up to kind of cover that. They weren't an outstanding offense last year. Their defense won them, won them a lot of games. So even if they repeat their offensive production, with the touchdowns they scored. If they come in the way of receiving, Devontae Adams is going to be the beneficiary there. Um, The reason I have him ahead of Thomas is because, like we saw Thomas have outlandish targets last year, I think that's what's going to happen to Devontae this year. They passed on wide receivers in the draft. Devin Funchess opted out. Who who knows what he would have been. Um, We haven't seen him play now for two years. He was injured for your Colts. Now opted out for my Packers. So, Good for him. He's only 26. So we'll see him play at some point. He's still relatively young, but it's not going to be in 2020. So that just clears the way for an elite wide receiver whose route running is up there. He's always open. I heard a stat that 12% of his receptions were contested. That's crazy. That just tells me he's always creating separation between him and the defender. And that's why Rodgers throws him the ball so much. I know you'd mentioned a clip where there was an overthrow and then Adams turned around and counted three defenders around him. It's a good clip. Great clip. But he was open on that throw. He burned all three of those defenders. Rodgers just missed the throw or he was playing like his little risk averse thing, just threw it away. Um, which kind of bothers me. He needs to start throwing balls in the tether windows again because Adams (laughs) will catch him. But anyways, that's a different discussion. But yeah, I have Adams up over 170 targets, and I have Thomas down under 160. I think the targets will lean in Adams' favor just by default. They didn't bring anyone else in. It's very possible that Aaron Jones is the wide receiver too in some sense of the word for that team, because he is a capable pass catcher. And last year, Marquez Vada Scantling did not impress. Um, Geronimo Allison. Remember we talked about them or the fantasy industry before we got into it, talked about MVS versus Geronimo Allison for like the whole off season. Who's the green Bay wide receiver too. They both were terrible. So we can't really put too much stock in them. You have Equinemius St. Brown, who we both love as a, a very, very, very deep sleeper, but that's because like what's behind Adams isn't that impressive and Alan Lazard right now is the favorite as an undrafted free agent. So he was not activated from the practice squad until equanimity St. Brown was put on IR. So that's just something to keep in mind. And I think one of the reasons why we like EQ so much, but yeah, I think the, the targets are going to go to Adams. I expect the touchdowns to go back up. I have met 11. He's one of those guys who's just, he's always open any part of the field and he's very, very dangerous in the red zone especially when you have a couple yards of separation between you and the defender, they're not hard catches for him to make. So that is why he comes to my wide receiver one. I think that the saints, yeah, they're going to be great. And Thomas is an elite wide receiver. He's probably better at the position in terms of like, who's the most pure, better wide receiver. I agree. It's probably Michael Thomas, but in fantasy football, it doesn't really matter. So I think Devonte Adams can outscore him this year and I have him ranked to do so. So moving on to, Number three, our one and two are flip-flopped, but it's a Michael Thomas, Navante Adams, or vice versa, depending on who you look at. And the rankings are posted on Twitter and Instagram, by the way, at A to Z FFB. So, Ali, who do you have at number three?
1: Number three is Julio Jones. And the reason I have Julio so high is because every year – I mean, he just does the same thing every year. And that's, you know, one game he might score zero touchdowns. The next game he might score four. But the guy gets yards out the butt. And <laughs> very eloquent. Yeah. And I mean, even last year with um, Matt Ryan kind of struggled a little bit. And so, I mean, the whole team did, but mm-hmm. Matt Ryan definitely did. But Julio was still able to put up such great numbers, you know? Um, I think the only year that he has maybe, I don't know, had a bad season was the year he broke his foot and missed like
0: eight games, games or something. He only played five games that year, so he missed the majority of the season.
1: Yeah, but I mean, every year you can count on him to be very reliable. Um, Calvin Ridley might come in this year. Everyone's saying that he this will be his coming out year, but I mean, even if even if Calvin Ridley explodes onto the scene this season, I mean, that's, if anything, it's just going to take pressure off of Julio and maybe even, you know, lighten up his the defender load a little bit. So, I mean, either way, it's going to help.
0: Yeah. I, I like Julio a lot. I actually have him down at wide receiver five and Calvin Ridley and it's a cal- combination of Ridley, Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst. And on Twitter today, um, this is August 13th. Thursday night, um, 10-17, we've had some technical difficulties that have really delayed this production here, but we're getting there. I saw reports today that Todd Gurley is already, quote, noticeably limping, so we know his knee issues are no secret to anyone in the league, so that is something to keep an eye on. But expecting him to be healthy and to play, he is a factor in the passing game. Hayden Hurst, they gave up significant draft capital to bring him into the building was a much
1: better option than
0: Hooper. Yeah. Well, Hooper. That's the thing. Is like Hooper. Yeah, maybe Hooper was good. There. Not as talented, but yeah, he he was productive. So if you bring in a guy who many are saying is a better athlete, I don't know if he's that much better of an athlete, but you know there's a role for him. And I,
1: Hayden Hurst drafted above Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah, and Mark Andrews. And is it his fault that Mark Andrews is just so freaking good? No, it's not. So now he's in a team on a team. With a tremendous opportunity, we've already seen they like to use the tight end. So if Hayden Hurst is the guy that they think they got, he's going to see targets. So I don't know. I think Julio obviously is going to get his. But if all these guys are expected to go up in targets, Matt Ryan's not going to throw the ball 700 times. So I think I have Ryan down for, apologize for this delay here, pulling up my Falcons projections. I have Ryan at 621 passing attempts julio is going to get 149 of those targets but all these other guys are going to need fed as well and julio is not going to see 200 targets when you have the talent around him that they do in atlanta and where julio kind of why he's so far down in my rankings is because his touchdown totals so i agree he is a monster he's gonna get his targets he's gonna have over a thousand yards he you could almost expect twelve hundred to fourteen hundred in that range because historically
1: I have him just over fourteen.
0: Okay. And I have him at thirteen eighty. So we're right in the same vicinity there. But we've seen him put up eighteen hundred yard seasons last year. He was six yards shy of fourteen hundred. The twenty eighteen he was at sixteen seventy seven. He's a monster. He's amazing after the catch. He can run every route very, very well, but he does not score touchdowns. He's only had one season in his career. 2012 so this is a long time ago where he had 10 touchdowns last year he had six 2018 he had eight in uh, 2017 he had three so he's not reliable in the red zone which blows my mind he's six three like 220 pounds so fast they don't throw him the ball in the red zone don't get it julio's a guy if he gets double digit touchdowns he'd be my wide receiver one no doubt in my mind but based on what we see i cannot project him to score 10 or 11 touchdowns like I can a guy like Devontae Adams, because we've seen him have three seasons in a row of double-digit touchdowns. We know he gets the looks in the red zone. For whatever reason, Julio Jones doesn't. So I have him a little bit lower. The guys I have ahead of him are purely because of touchdown upside. And the guy I have at number three is Tyree Hill. So Tyree Hill is the epitome of a boom player. I don't want to say boom or bust, because I do think over his career, he has improved in areas of the game. Like Deshaun Jackson is boomer bust. We don't talk about Deshaun Jackson in the top 12 wide receiver realm. So Tyreek Hill is a he's always improving as a route runner. He's got that huge play upside with his speed. He deals, he he takes handoffs out of the backfield. He does jet sweeps. He's involved in the game in so many ways. They get the ball in his hands in creative ways. It can be a bomb 80 yard pass from a homes it can be a five yard slant it could be a punt return it could be a jet sweep near the goal line he's going to get the ball because he is a playmaker so i have tyree kill at my wide receiver three i said he's not boomer bust he is a guy that can disappear some weeks and it's frustrating sometimes owning tyree kill or managing tyree kill i want to get away from the, the owning piece Um, Just the verbiage of it, but that's just me. Um, It's frustrating being a manager of Tyreek Hill because he'll get you a really good fantasy finish, but he could absolutely trash you one week. He could get you no points. He could get you two points or he'd get you 30. So he's very Deshaun Jackson-esque in that way, but he's more than likely going to provide a somewhat safe floor of points for you. So... That being said, there are games where he could have three or four targets and catch one of them. So just a guy to keep an eye on. But ultimately, at the end of the year, I think he will end up as a top five wide receiver. And my projection projections have him landing at wide receiver three. So if I can get his stats pulled up. Do you have anything to add about Tyree Kill? Where do you uh, have him ranked?
1: I am at four, but okay. nah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you said. Uh, he's a, a major weapon in that offense, and I think a lot of that's due, and not a lot, I would say mo- almost all of it's due to his speed. I mean, the guy's freaky fast. Mm-hmm. He's racing everyone this offseason, and, and the guy, what? the dude's a cheetah. Um, but like, I, I like what you said about how, I mean, he gets, he's always improving as a route runner. Um, and I think, yesterday when we did this episode the first time take one the uh the his like average yards per game was only like 72 yards and i mean again i mean he could get you 120 yards one game the next game he could get you like 28 Mm. but that i mean he can either burn you or he can win you a game and but i do think he's more reliable than most of your like your burner wide receivers
0: i think he's more reliable than even a guy like amari cooper you know amari cooper's not a burner i would say that's fair yeah like he'll they they basically have the same tendencies of they can get you nothing or they can absolutely win you a week and Tyreek kills much more exciting he has a lot more touchdown upside than amari cooper and they're two very different players so yeah, this uh, interestingly enough, I'm looking at Hill's statistics from his career, and he's never had a season where he's eclipsed 90 receptions. His highest reception total is 2018, where he had 87. And keep in mind, last year, he only played 12 games, he was injured. Um, another thing to be aware of with Hill is he's liable to miss some time. Some of those speed guys, if they pull a, a hammy or tweak a quad or something like that, that hits them differently because. They're running so fast, demanding so much of those lower body muscles that they're more likely to to pop or something is gonna happen. If that happens, like the most important part of his game is very limited. Mm-hmm. So and he I always see him come up limp a couple times a year, and I'm like, well, who knows? But he usually shows back up. But last year he did miss four games, 89 targets, 58 receptions, 860 yards. So even with south of 60 receptions, he's still almost got to 900 yards and seven touchdowns. So just a big play guy and the best offense in the league with the richest quarterback in NFL history. So yeah, it's a, it's a hard guy to bet against, especially in a situation where we see him get better every year. So you have him at four. I have him at three. Where does that put us in our rankings? Are we at my four? I believe so. This is amazing. My four is potentially my favorite wide receiver. It is Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin ranked as my wide receiver four in redraft. I have him in almost every dynasty league I manage. And yeah, he absolutely broke out last year. Everyone kind of saw it coming, but he was still a value in drafts. I got him like the fourth or fifth round and he ended up as the wide receiver two overall, just behind Michael Thomas. And I say just behind, like that's the only player. He was not close to beating Michael Thomas in total points. Michael Thomas ran away with it. I was almost... 70 points higher than Chris Godwin in half PPR formats. But Godwin missed the last two games with an injury and still was able to put up a wide receiver two overall season. So, the obvious highlight or buzz around Godwin is the change of quarterback this year with Tom Brady coming in. You think it benefits him
1: more than it'll hurt him?
0: So, I think that I've said this before I think that Chris Godwin his skill set of a short to intermediate he's very good at those routes it's not all he can do well but he excels on short to intermediate route running he gets himself open he's great catching the ball over the middle he's fearless very physical that skill set there fits with tom brady better than that set of skills the same set of skills ever fit with james winston james winston was chuck it down the field they're always losing because he's always throwing picks They're always in negative game scripts and Chris Godwin luckily enough has the contested catch ability to go down and win a deep ball, but with a more accurate quarterback coming in and Tom Brady, who's going to be very surgical with his passes. Chris Godwin is going to be a dream come true because he's a guy who can get open in the middle of the field. Tom Brady can still throw the ball into tight windows and Godwin's going to catch them because he's very reliable. So I think he could get peppered with targets Um, The big question, I guess, is how many times do you think Brady's going to throw the ball? Do you think it's going to be an offense where it's more balanced out? Because there's been a lot of discussion, obviously, around the Tampa Bay backfield. The running backs. They have Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn. They just brought in LaShawn McCoy, Daria Gumbawale. They have weapons in the backfield. None of the names really pop off. There's questions about all of them. I don't know what Shady McCoy is doing there, to be honest. He looked pretty washed last year in Kansas City. But Bruce Arians liked him enough to bring him in. I don't know if it's in like a mentor role to Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones because they're both very young. But are we going to see more involvement or emphasis on getting the running backs involved? Or is Bruce Arians going to be like, I didn't see Tom Brady losing anything, and Bruce Arians has said that. He didn't see Tom Brady taking any steps backwards. Is he going to let him throw the ball all over the yard? What do you think?
1: Uh, well, I mean, if there's one thing that Bruce Arians does is he lets his quarterback throw the ball. So I'm pretty confident in the fact that Tom Brady's going to be able to to sling the, the ball around the field as much as he, he wants or as little as he wants. I mean, I think that's going to be completely up to him. Um, uh, Tom Brady hasn't slowed down one bit. I have Chris Godwin, though, down my list at six. Um, and in between him and Tyreek Hill, I have DeAndre Hopkins, who just a little bit more every day. I kind of want to slide down my list, but stay with Chris Godwin. Um, I mean, last year was a very good season for him. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I think he, I think he can, you know, continue to play very well and very efficient. I think. Just with Tom Brady, though, I mean, he has so many options on that offense with Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Gronk's there now, and then, like, yeah, I mean, anyone in the backfield. And if, you know, like Tampa Bay plays at least any, like, in a similar way as what the Patriots did over the course of Tom Brady's career, like, they're going to focus the ball on – tight ends and running backs before they go to the outside of the wide receiver. So I don't, I don't, I guess it just depends on how the offense goes. But I feel like if they, if they go that way where you focus on tight ends and, and running backs, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin could see a little bit of a decline, but they're both very good that even when they do get the ball thrown to them, they'll be able to capitalize on that opportunity.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to pull up really quick. So a lot of people in favor of Godwin have said that he fits the Julian Edelman role in what Tom Brady is used to. I would argue, and I think a lot of people would agree pretty convincingly that Chris Godwin is more talented than Julian Edelman. So
1: I would agree with that.
0: um, Edelman, so you had mentioned that they work from the inside out before on a previous podcast and I really liked that wording. So tight ends with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez back in the day, Hernandez on the running Um The running backs, James White is very efficient at catching the Even ball. Even Rex
1: Burkhead yeah. worked out.
0: Other know. running backs. Yeah. They emphasize that. But Julian Edelman is a guy who has always, always gotten fed targets from Edelman that slot and, role.
1: Edelman and Randy Moss. are like yeah. the only
0: two wide receivers to so
1: like, really kind of work out there yeah
0: so and you could argue that the wide receivers that have come through haven't been the most talented Brady is an older quarterback much like Aaron Rodgers where if a player is not working out or getting open he's going to ignore them he's flat out said hey if he's not working the right way how I want him to work I will not throw him the ball yeah so I think we've seen a lot of that and I think the beneficiaries have been like you said Randy Moss the season he was there and Julian Edelman who since 2013 Every year he's played at least 10 games. Holy cow. Nope. Nope. Sorry. I apologize. At least 12 games. He's seen 151 targets, 2013, 134, 2014, 2015. He only played nine games, still saw 88 targets, 159 targets in 2016, 2018, 108. And then last year, 153. So I agree that there is an emphasis placed on the tight ends. And last year, 153 targets to Julian Edelman was minus Gronk. So that was the first time we had seen Brady minus Gronk and Edelman still remained fairly consistent with the target share that he saw. And if Godwin is even drawing close comparisons to, he will play the Edelman role with his talent, with his versatility, with his hands, with his physicality, and run right after the catch ability and the ability to go deep. If Brady still has a deep ball, Godwin can do both things and do them very, very well. Mm-hmm. So last year, Chris Godwin had got here 121 targets, good for 1,300 yards, 86 receptions, um, 9 touchdowns. So if we see his target totals go up into that 140, 150 range, that's going to be really, really special. And Tom Brady, so we had talked about his kind of receiving core, and you could argue that He's never had a core this talented, you know, even with Randy Moss. I I don't
1: think you have to argue that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had Randy Moss as a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best wide receivers to play the game. But behind Randy Moss is Wes Welker. So now you have Mike Evans, who has had nothing but thousand yard seasons ever since he's been in the league. Yeah. And Chris Godwin, who is arguably better than Mike Evans. You could put them side by side with Randy Moss and Wes Welker. And Randy Moss might be the trump card there that says, like, that's the better duo because it's Randy Moss. But Chris Godwin's 24 years old. He's still getting better. He's already recorded a 1,300 yard season. He's already put up a wide receiver two fantasy season, wide receiver two overall. We could see him continue to improve. And this year, I have him at 142 targets, 98 receptions. So he's flirting with that triple digit reception mark and eight touchdowns. So losing a touchdown, because last year was a good touchdown year, nine touchdowns is great for a wide receiver. So even with that, that brings him ahead of Julio Jones, who I have at five i think yeah i've got him at four so i love godwin i know that a lot of people are picking him to bust this year because they say you're drafting him at his ceiling based on what he did last year but i think his ceiling could be even higher than we saw last year because he only saw 121 targets yeah he missed two games it could have been up 130 140 last year and if he would have had that he could have been he scored 233 half ppr fantasy points last year could have been up 250 to 270 if he falls in the end zone a couple more times so yeah godwin is incredible that being said you're paying a premium for him he's going in the second round last year where last year this year and last year he was going in the fourth late fourth early fifth sometimes depending on who you're drafting with so we'll go ahead and move on now to our next wide receiver al who do you have next on your list
1: at number five, I have DeAndre Hopkins. And I won't lie, the more I think about it and every day passes by, I think it's too high. Um, DeAndre Hopkins himself, though, I mean, he's very good at what he does, very reliable. He has spectacular hands.
0: He's very good at catching the ball. Um, Arguably the best wide receiver. You know, we talk about Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. Hopkins can do everything they can do plus some things they can't do. Some of his contested catches or one-handed catches, sideline toe taps. Like He's the only guy in the league who can do that right now. Oh, yeah.
1: So. I think – I don't know. I, if he was still in Houston, I would, would probably enjoy where I have him at, on this list. But The fact that there are – I mean, there's a lot of unknowns with him being in Arizona now and Kyle Murray at quarterback. And then, you know, he has to share the ball with a couple other wide receivers that are there. So – I mean overall DeAndre Hopkins, I do like him. I think he's gonna be very reliable. Um, I still think he's gonna be a wide receiver one. I know you had mentioned, I believe he's at nine for you. Eight. Um, yeah, I have him at eight. I would say that 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 eight to ten range, maybe eleven, is probably
0: probably the right area for him to be. Um some people are really out on Hopkins this year. Like I think the talent is still there. I do as well. He could just be hyper efficient, but I do think we're going to like we're going to see less targets. And I agree. I mean, I have him at ninety-five targets this season. Um,
1: what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Can you repeat that, please? Ninety-five targets. That's too low. Or receptions, Re- okay. not targets, not targets, receptions. <gasps>
0: <laughs> Heart attack. <laughs> but uh,
1: and I mean, he could still put up over a thousand yards. But I mean, you know, I. With those stats, I mean, he, fantasy-wise, he might not be that great. Um,
0: I don't know. It's just it's just going to be a waiting game to see how it goes. Yeah, it's hard to really put a finger on where Hopkins could land this year because it could be he's going through this air raid offense and he could be featured in that air raid offense. And if that is the case where he is the focal point of this passing attack, which he will be the focal point, but it's like to what extent does he see 27% market share like he's kind of used to in Houston 27 to 30% of the targets in Houston went to DeAndre Hopkins that resulted in target totals like 150 192 in 2015 which is insane 174 in 2017 163 150 I don't have him quite there I have him closer to that than probably a lot of other people I have him 137 targets 88 receptions I feel low on that I feel like his hands are better than that but I might have to do some adjusting here but I do have them at wide receiver eight and I feel in the pecking order of wide receivers that's kind of where he shakes out based on new situation younger quarterback going into his second year and I have really big expectations for Kyler Murray and a lot of it has to do with DeAndre Hopkins but I don't think it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows for that duo there and like you said, there's so many other pieces for him to throw the ball to. Christian Kirk was heavily involved last year, and now he's fully healthy. He was a little banged up last year. Fitzgerald stayed in the league. He's not going to stay in the league to do nothing. He's close to a few receiving records. We've touched on that, and he wouldn't come back. And he's not like a selfish guy, but he wouldn't come back if he wasn't going to be used. He yeah. has a goal, and he's going to be part of the offense. He's He knows the offense better than Hopkins does. Um, I think he'll be a great mentor for DeAndre Hopkins, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And then they have really talented receiving running backs. So yeah, there's, there's a lot. I know that I saw on Twitter, a lot of mouths to feed is like a shitty analysis, but like that's what Arizona is. That's where we are. And I think if we're not saying a lot of mouths to feed, we're really just buttering that up to be something that sounds nicer, but that is what's happening. We all think that Hopkins targets are going to go down and that's because they're going other places. You have Hakeem Butler coming off IR. He was a very promising rookie. Andy Isabella coming into his second year, he was one of the highest graded rookies coming out of college in quite some time. He had prolific college production. So he's on that team. There's all sorts of players that still have untapped potential, just because DeAndre Hopkins is better than all of them doesn't mean that he's just going to get funneled targets like he did in Houston. In Houston, he was dealing with Will Fuller, who played like four or five games a year. Kiki Kuti played like four or five games a year. He was basically competing with backup receivers to injured receivers and then a couple tight ends. So that's why his target totals were so outlandish every year. Now he's got a lot more competition within his own team. Mm-hmm. He might be in a better situation. They might win more games. Then Houston will win this year and Houston's probably going to lose a lot of games because they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It's very, very volatile, I guess with Hopkins, but yeah, I do have him at eight. So we'll go ahead and move on from him. I think, yeah, yeah. I think he's talent, his talent, it's talent alone, which should keep him in the wide receiver one conversation, but um, it's hard to say exactly where. So kind of lower middle feels fine. So who do you have next? Um at six I have Chris Godwin, but we already
1: touched on okay. him and it's you have six, anything to add? Uh no, not really. Okay.
0: But at seven I have DJ Moore. Perfect. I have DJ Moore at seven as well. We skipped over my six, so briefly I want to touch on my six, then we'll get to DJ Moore. I have Alan Robinson at six. And you had mentioned before we hopped on that you have him a little bit lower. Yeah, been nine. Okay. Um Robinson is just a guy who is just so good at football. So good at football.
1: Look what he did last season with this terrible, with terrible
0: quarterback play. And what did they do? They didn't bring in anyone to challenge him. They're expecting they brought
1: in a worse quarterback.
0: Well, yeah, they brought in Foles. So there's that. I don't even know what I would compare that to. It's like it's like LARPing. You know, you expect a sword fight, you get a fucking LARP, and it's just like what? What's the what's the goal here? They one brought in thing, a huge contract. I don't know. You expect this huge fight scene, and then it's like the fight from Role Models, where they were all just beating the shit at each other with foam noodles and classic. fake swords. Like that's what Mitch Trubisky versus Nick Foles is going to be like.
1: Well, the one thing that bothers me, and I mean. Allen Robinson will still be good no matter who his quarterback is.
0: He's never had a good
1: quarterback. Exactly. Blake Bortles (laughs) and Jacksonville. Then he moves to Chicago, and he's got Trubisky. And, you know, now he could have Nick Foles. But the one thing that bothers me about the Bears, and they have a good defense, don't get me wrong, but that team is – offensively, that team just, like, can't get together. Because, you know, you have at one point – I think it was at the beginning of the offseason. They're like,
0: oh,
1: we're sticking with Trubisky. He's our guy. And then they bring in Nick Foles. And then they say Nick Foles and Trubisky are battling for the starting job. It's like, just pick,
0: man. Just pick. The transactions they're making say something different than the words that the coaches are saying. They're like, oh, Trubisky's our guy. And then they go do something that indicates the exact opposite. Yeah, and so I just think with like
1: the, the, the inconsistencies that you see in that offense, just bring that offense down, and the only thing keeping them up is Allen Robinson.
0: He's the best player on their team. Oh, yeah. Well, Khalil Mack defensively, on their offense, Allen Robinson's the best player, and it's not particularly close in my opinion. Last year with the <laughs> aforementioned quarterback play, 154 targets, 98 receptions, 1147 yards and seven touchdowns
1: if i'm alan robinson i'm demanding a trade
0: man they probably are going to extend him he's still 26 years old so he's relatively young i was able to draft him in a dynasty league a startup in like the fourth round and i was doing backflips because it's not an attractive offense because of the quarterback Mm -hmm. but he is a damn good player and we've seen so in 2015, which is the very first year I played, I picked Allen Robinson just to have dumb luck because like when I first started playing fantasy, I pretty much just watched my favorite team. I picked Allen Robinson. He goes for 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. The guy is so good at football so and bad. he's just been held back by quarterback play, but he can still do things like 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns, followed up by a season of 151 targets. Again, this is Blake Bortles. 73 receptions, 800 yards, six touchdowns. So obviously the, the 1400 and 14 season may be the best we see from Robinson, but he is still an elite wide receiver in terms of route running, contested catch red zone capabilities, things like that. So I expect based on them, not really bringing in anyone in the draft, it's going to be Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and Anthony Miller has been injured both of his two years reports are good now but he it's shoulder injuries so if he goes up for a catch and falls the wrong way he could irritate the shoulder that's not a great it's, it's a very volatile joint i've had a jacked up shoulder for like four years and like i don't have nfl trainers taking care of me but it's very easy to irritate my shoulder and it fucking hurts so if he dings his shoulder it's going to be the Allen robinson show and i think it will be anyways because he's just that good. He needs to be fed the ball and good things will happen. So this year for Robinson, he slots in as my wide receiver six and that's higher than most I've seen. I see most people have Robinson down near the 10 to 12 range. I have Robinson 144 targets, 92 receptions, 1200 yards, eight touchdowns. So I don't think based on like Ivan with less targets, probably more efficient receiving because I think they're going to, Whichever quarterback they choose, they're not deep ball guys. So that, And Robinson's a good route runner. So it's going to be, hey, we're going to get the ball into the hands of our best player. And that's Allen Robinson. Slants, in-breaking routes, things like that. Making himself available to his quarterback, and he can do it all after the catch. So that's why he comes in at six. Could be a little high. I don't know. I could do some adjusting between now and then. But I've had Robinson pretty high consistently through my whole ranking process. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up here in that six to seven range. So next we have both have DJ Moore at seven actually. So we'll go ahead and segue to him. I'll let you get started on more. One word. Two words. Teddy Bridgewater. You think he makes that much of a difference?
1: I think he makes that much of a difference for DJ Moore. Well, look what he look what DJ Moore did last year with Kyle Allen. That's
0: the other two words I was going to come back with. Kyle Allen. So yeah, I think Kyle, Teddy Bridgewater is.
1: Kyle Allen. Yeah. It was so bad. But Teddy Bridgewater is such a step up that I think DJ Moore I think did very well last year. Could kick it into another gear and really shine this year as the team's number one wide receiver
0: yeah i agree so dj moore finished last season half ppr scoring as wide receiver 18 he had 135 targets resulting in 87 receptions 1175 yards four touchdowns i think so that number's gonna go up It has to that's like leonard Fournette only scoring three rushing touchdowns with however many carries he had that doesn't happen
1: yeah
0: so four touchdowns is Extremely low for a guy over a thousand yards. It's not something we see, especially a number one receiver with over a thousand yards. Mm -hmm. So he just does his damage in very similar ways to what Teddy Bridgewater was used to with Michael Thomas. We saw Teddy Bridgewater start in the middle of the season, and Michael Thomas did not lose anything. No. He remained efficient, he remained hyper-targeted in the offense. And if you compare the situations, and I know I've talked about this before with when we talked about Christian McCaffrey is, or I don't know, it might not have been McCaffrey, but we talked about the Panthers. If we want to look at role players, you have McCaffrey and Kamara, both excellent receivers out of the backfield. And then you look at an alpha X receiver or slot receiver in this case is DJ Moore and Michael Thomas. Those two play the same role in their respective offenses. And Michael Thomas is fed the ball. All the time. And I think the coordinator hire of Joe Brady, who used to work for the Saints when Bridgewater was first brought in there, Tom Brady's, Brady's brother did, <laughs> went to LSU, led that offense where the slot receiver, Justin Jefferson, had 100 receptions in yeah. college, and Clyde Edwards Alaire broke a receiving record for running backs in the SEC. DJ Moore plays in the slot he's an athletic phenom he's fast he's physical he can catch the ball he was the first drafted receiver in his draft class i think 2018 He was the first receiver taken off the board in 2018 last year was his second year so um he's an excellent player and now he has an upgraded quarterback teddy bridgewater appeared to be competent enough to lead a team, and
1: that offense is going to be wild
0: my only hesitation with bridgewater is the best season he's posted He had 14 touchdowns, and it was a different offense back then. They had Adrian Peterson, I think, in Minnesota. So like, you don't need Bridgewater throwing. But that season going
1: into it, he was projected to be in the MVP race.
0: He ended up making the Pro Bowl. So, but he wasn't very productive. But I think the the game has changed. He worked in an offense with his coordinator already, and he has a player in DJ Moore who really fills the role that Michael Thomas filled. And we saw obviously, I'm not saying that DJ Moore is going to be the wide receiver one, but if he ends up as a wide receiver one, will I be surprised? No, I'm not going to project that to happen. Because everyone we've talked about, I think the situation might be better, the offenses might be better, and the players just look like we've seen them produce. But DJ Moore is, I think, next in line to take that step into like superstardom. He's gonna have the opportunity if he can stay healthy. Um, which he's durable. I don't think he has any health concerns that I'm really aware of. But yeah, he's in a great spot. I really love DJ Moore this year. So, anything else to add before we move on? No. Awesome. So, where are we at so far? Let's go ahead. I think we're at going into wide receiver nine. No, eight.
1: Uh, I have mine's eight. Kenny Galladay.
0: Okay, and I have Galladay at nine, so this is perfect. You know how you had mentioned that you're too high on Hopkins? Yeah. I feel like I'm too low on Galladay. I feel like as I sit there and stare at Galladay, the expectations I have for Matt Stafford, Galladay's going to be. If his Matt guy. Stafford
1: plays a full season. Galladay's going to have an amazing year. Yeah.
0: And he did last year. And what did Galladay finish? Wide receiver six and half PPR. And Stafford only played half the year. And he had two terrible picks. Two picks. T- Was Jeff Driscoll and David Blau? Yeah, like, and he still put up a six.
1: Galladay and uh, Matt Stafford have uh, like a a very good rapport with one another, so if if they're both on the field, they're both. I mean, Galladay's going to be used if Stafford's a quarterback.
0: Oh yeah, he's Stafford's first read. Galladay's routes are clean, they're crisp. His hands are amazing
1: catch yep
0: he's in the conversation so i've seen a lot of debate like i'm a packers fan so i follow a lot mm-hmm. of the nfc north news right. and they've been talking who's the best receiver in the nfc north you have Devonte adams who like i think is clearly like there's not much of a discussion in my eyes but there's been a lot of compelling cases made for kenny galladay oh yeah i think it's definitely between those two and galladay is very young he's going into his third year i think and man he is he's exciting you don't think of detroit typically as an exciting offense but galladay is bringing the heat back to detroit in terms of excitement and stafford
1: man i really want him to i really want him to play a full season
0: we're both high on stafford this year so i think that only means good things for galladay and then marvin jones we're not talking about him but he's always one of the best values in draft because he's getting older yeah but he's still going to be involved in that. He's offense. reliable, though. He always outproduces ADP. But yeah, Galladay is a guy similar to DJ Moore. If he takes that step into superstardom, and I would said not this, surprised.
1: I said this when we were talking about our quarterback rankings and we were discussing Matt Stafford. But like the Lions, you hate to dig on them, but they're like not the greatest team, and so they're in a lot of garbage time scenarios. Mm-hmm. And Matt Stafford is the kind of quarterback that. Like when he has to throw the deep ball, he can throw the deep ball. He has a very good arm, but he's also very accurate with Mm -hmm. his throws. And most of those throws are going to go to Kenny Galladay. Yeah. So garbage time play for the Lions is going to help out Galladay.
0: I agree. Yeah, Stafford is really for the gunslinger that we think of him as. He's very accurate with his passes, and he's yeah he can put up yards. So last year he had the back injury. He only played eight games. And this is Matt Stafford. He had, let's see his yards here. Oh yeah. He threw almost 2,500 yards in half a season. So 5,000 yard seasons. We've only seen a handful of quarterbacks do it. Stafford's one of those quarterbacks. He threw for over 5,000 in 2011. He was on pace to do some insane things through the air last year and had that season cut short and Galladay he was very productive during those weeks and continued somehow to be productive with some pretty bad quarterback play um, after that. So yeah, I think it for Galladay to have a ceiling of a top five wide receiver, it is reliant on Matt Stafford being healthy, mm-hmm. but we've seen even if Stafford does go down or misses time for any reason, Galladay still has top 10 wide receiver, in his game, and yeah, he comes in at my wide receiver nine. I, yeah, like I said, I I feel like it's too low because he's so good. So we'll go ahead and move on to wide receiver ten. Who do you have here, Juju Smith-Schuster? Samezies. What I like about this guy is he has his quarterback. What I like about this guy is, yes, he has his quarterback, but he gets to move back into the slot.
1: Which was perfect for him because he's not an outside guy.
0: No, he was awful against press. He was also injured last year. He also lost his quarterback last year. Last year was hard to hold against Juju. It was hard to hold against any of their players. But there's also players, despite the situation, rose to the occasion. My dude, Deontay Johnson, being one of them. Who's, uh,
1: I think, also going to be a part of Juju's Exactly. Success this season is going
0: to take some pressure off of him. Well, Deontay Johnson is the reason that Juju can move back into the slot because they have a viable weapon on the outside that can win. They added Chase Claypool. They have James Washington. Both guys who can play outside and extend the field for Juju to work over the middle where Mm -hmm. he is insanely good over the middle of the field. When he played in the slot a couple years ago, he oh my gosh he was that was the year he broke out and again he was like a fourth round pick he had 166 targets this is with antonio brown on the team 111 receptions seven touchdowns 1426 yards it's not bad from the slot very good target in the red zone he's physical good hands yeah and he lives in the slot like just because he's not good outside doesn't mean he's like A bad player but for him to be the best he can be he needs to be in the slot and he gets to go back there so we should all be excited about Juju and the the most exciting thing about Juju is he is falling back into that fourth round again this year because people got burned by him last year so third fourth round could be excellent value for a guy that has top ten upside yeah no doubt Anything else on Juju before we move on?
1: No, I think I pretty much covered it. Headed
0: down our list. We're moving on now to wide receiver 11. Who do you have here? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Interesting. Tell me why. Because I have Cooper Cup. He is wide receiver 25.
1: Wow. For me. Yeah, you have him deep. Yeah. Uh, No, I have Cooper Cup at 11. And I mean, over the... He does have some injury issues, which uh, you could kind of hold against him. At the same time, though, I mean, you have – what's his face at quarterback? Goff. Yeah, you have Jared Goff at quarterback, and him and Goff have this rapport that is very successful. I mean, in one game, Cooper Cup had like 200 yards. It's the Bengals. Still, that's – Still pretty. Impressive. It's an impressive stat line, but yeah, it's like the worst team in the league last year. But you know, and you look at last year with the Rams overall, especially with the season before going to the Super Bowl. Everyone was like, "Oh, the Rams are terrible. The Rams are terrible. Their offensive line was terrible." Jared Goff didn't I, have time. What didn't have time? No, the line have, was so bad. Yeah, I mean, it, they, they were the offensive line was just so bad on that team. Like that is the reason why. They lost most of their game. So why that offense underperformed? But Jared Goff is actually a very good quarterback.
0: I think very good. I think he's Are you asking me? I think he's telling above me above average. I was asking. You think he's no, very good? I think
1: he's a very good quarterback. I think his his accuracy is underrated. I don't think he gets enough props for that. But I think this could be a season where you see the the Rams kind of shine back up because they're not I mean, it's not like the Todd Gurley show and like, oh, Todd Gurley this, Todd Gurley that, with a, a terrible offensive line. You know, you went through a little bit of turnover on your defense. I think I think it's just going to be a new team. And Ju or Cooper Cup has the ability, the skill set. Brandon Cooks is out of there, so he's not sharing, you know, targets with him. There's still Robert Woods, but Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are the two main receivers on that team. And I think with Brandon Cooks gone, Cooper Cup's going to pick up probably the majority of those targets.
0: Okay. Yeah, I so I have him at 25, and it feels low. I agree. So the point about Cooks departing, I think, is the biggest benefactor for Cup because Cooks did see a, a, a good amount of targets last year, and they have to go somewhere. My issue – with Cup is similar to what we saw with Juju when he was asked to play outside last year. He couldn't. So I think Cup's situation might be a little bit different because it was a midseason transition. It was, I forget what week it was, but they switched to a predominantly two tight end set, which means Cup couldn't play the slot. He was asked to play outside. He wasn't great. So yeah. I think having a midseason offensive scheme change wouldn't be great for anyone, but especially when that's not something you've really prepared yourself for. So the rumor is, and I think another point is the offensive line didn't get better. They were near the bottom of the league last year and they switched to 12 personnel to have two tight ends in there to help Jared Goff because the line was not doing their job and they didn't do better. They drafted Cam Akers, who luckily for him is used to having a pure bullshit offensive line from Florida State. So he should feel right at home in the NFL. And then Van Jefferson. So they did not address the line in the draft. They didn't have a first-round pick. They spent second on Acres and I think a third on Jefferson. So they still have a really bad offensive line. And so we're going to see more 12 personnel, two tight end sets. And Cup is going to, I think with an offseason, knowing he needs to play the outside, it should help. But based on what we saw last year, he couldn't get open. So unless he has a new release package or something that, Really helps him play outside more effectively. That's why I have him so low because he didn't show us last year that he could do it. And it was a, a limited sample size, but like Tyler Higby is getting a lot of love at tight end, which I think he's a little overrated. Um, but yeah, and Akers and Henderson are two really capable pass catchers out of the backfield who, if Goff doesn't have time to make a read to the outside where Cup might be lined up, it's going to be dump offs to the running backs or the tight ends or Robert Woods. I think I have Robert Woods as a mid. He is my wide receiver 16, so I have him significantly ahead of Cup because I think the targets will be a really little safer for him. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. His Cup finish last year is wide receiver four, so having him at wide receiver <laughs> 25, it makes a me major drop. scratch my head quite a bit. But Cup's wide receiver four finish was really on the back of the first half of his season where he played the slot and just dominated. He was on par with Michael Thomas for the first half of the year. And I remember trying to make a trade for him in redraft. And I'm so glad that Dalton was like, no way, man. He's like the foundation of my team. Because <laughs> from that point on, after that trade done, deadline in that league, he was trash. So I was going to try to like trade away DeAndre Hopkins, I think, because he was having a down year. And then they kind of flip-flopped. Hopkins kind of started picking up steam and Cup just comp- – the wheels fell off. So I could see Cup. As a a top 10 guy, I could also see him as a wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. That's where I have him ranked. So, yeah, it's it's odd for sure, especially with a guy coming off a top five wide receiver season just a year ago. So next we'll move on to my wide receiver 11. And that is Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings. Do you have – I think you have Thielen at twelve, right?
1: Sure do. Perfect. Wrap, wraps up my wide receiver ones.
0: Hell yeah, man! Go ahead and tell me why he's a wide receiver one for you.
1: So, I mean, over the past couple of seasons, you saw Adam Thielen be very reliable. I mean, he went what six games last? First six games last year.
0: Twenty eighteen. It's when he yeah that streak of hundred yard games.
1: Yeah. So I mean, he's very dependable. The team obviously relies on him a lot um i think stefan dig stefan Diggs leaving i mean they drafted justin jefferson who i love i think it's a great fit but stefan Diggs leaving i mean it's, it's gonna throw more attention more targets to Thielen, um and you have dalvin cook in the backfield to kind of take the pressure off and kind of open up play action um and then I mean, you have Justin Jefferson, who they drafted, but obviously he's not going to get the target share Stephon Diggs did, and so I mean those those are going to have to be dispersed. And I think Adam Thielen's is i um, he's going to get targeted more, uh, and he's like he's a shorter white guy. He doesn't have blazing speed, but I mean he knows how to get open. He knows how to play football, and he's very good at being the wide receiver on the Vikings. He's got the full trust of Kirk Cousins too. Yeah, the yeah. IQ on on Adam Thielen is
0: very, very high. He's a great story. He's an undrafted free agent, Division II. We all know the story by now. Division II player, barely recruited to play even at the Division II school, and now we're talking about him as one of the premier wide receivers. I do not say elite, but you can't talk about the best wide receivers in the game and just totally ignore Thielen, especially considering where he came from. Yeah, No one expected him to be here, and here he is as a wide receiver one for an NFL team, and that's amazing. So last year he played 10 games. The previous previous years, this is the first, uh, first time he's missed significant time for injury. He's been banged up, but he'll come back. Um, 2017 and 2018 he played all 16 games, started all 16 games. In those two seasons he was demanding a wide receiver one target share he had 142 targets and 153 targets respectively i expect like i have him at 11 i think the offense with gary kubiak at the helm of the offense they're going to prioritize the run that's what they did last year and if dalvin cook can stay healthy he's going to be the focal point of the offense and that being said i still think thielen they're not going to run it a thousand times. Dalvin Cook will crumble. Oh, yeah. Thielen is going to have, he's going to be the first read. He's got the trust of Cousins. So when they do throw, and I think they're going to throw a decent amount, it's not going to be like the Falcons, but let me see what I have here for Cousins. 517 attempts. I don't think that's terribly it's outlandish. Not
1: outlandish. Yeah, it's not outlandish.
0: Let's see what he had last year in terms of attempts. To see if it's going up or down or staying about the same last year 444 attempts so that is a lot higher 500 what did i say 27 17 that's a lot higher than 444 obviously but in 2018 we saw him at 606 2017 540 so we've seen cousins sling the ball around more
1: the offensive coordinator, though, last year was very run-oriented. And
0: I think Kubiak's the same way, but I don't know. Now I'm questioning myself. When Kubiak the...
1: was in Denver, though, that, I mean, they were very – I'm granted, it was Peyton Manning throwing the ball, but, I mean, he was very, very open to slinging the rock around.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. And Cousins, he's getting paid a lot of money. So, I think they're going to need him to step up, especially to compete in a tough division. So – I think it's one of the most fun competitive divisions, the rivalries between the Packers and the Bears and the Packers and the Vikings, and the Lions are kind of left out. And I think the Lions could make some noise this year with yeah. their offense especially.
1: But if, so, you, if you look at every team, I mean, look at look at the Chiefs, look at the Ravens, look at you know the Rams, look at um, Buffalo. I mean, those are all teams that throw the ball very like a lot are very decent at it. So if the Vikings want to compete,
0: they're gonna to have to do that. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings defense did take some some hits in this they did. most recent season and off season. So I don't think they're gonna be in a position where they can run the ball to stay in a positive game script. They're, they're gonna to have to throw. Probably
1: going to be playing from behind mm-hmm. a lot.
0: And that'll benefit Adam Thielen, I think the most because he is the one on that team. I have met 134 targets, so not quite up to that elite kind of wide receiver 140 plus range, but
1: really damn close.
0: 87. So, what about you? 70. Okay, so yeah, I think Thielen's going to be the guy there, and I think it'll. I think Dalvin Cook will get a big uptick in receiving work. That's why I don't have Thielen quite as high in that 150 range. And Justin Jefferson, man, I, I think he's really, really good. So you said you don't think he'll get too big of a
1: a market I mean, share think, early on? I think he'll – I mean, they're definitely going to throw the ball to him. I don't know that – I mean, n- no way it's going to be as high as Stefan Diggs was. But, I mean, he'll be used. I don't think it'll be –
0: How does 112 target sound?
1: That sounds fair. I, w- I was going to say he'll probably have like 50, anywhere from 50 to 60 receptions.
0: I have him at 74. So I, he had 100 with Joe Burrow throwing the ball yeah. at LSU in a shorter season, um, and he's going to. The cool thing about Thielen, he's prototypical like a slot receiver. Yeah, but he's going to have to play outside and he can and he can he's man his contested catches are so fun to watch he's a fun player to watch but jefferson thrives in the slot and at the combine he showed that he's got the speed to play outside too so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how they're used and where the targets go but yeah we're getting off off of adam Thielen, but he is the one the the one read for cousins and for an offense that really doesn't have a lot of more established options. It's kind of like the same logic I use with Devonte Adams. Like who else are they going to throw to? So I think Jefferson is probably a better option than anyone left on the Packers. So that's why I have, I don't have Thielen at 170 targets. So they're also not going to throw the ball that many times. But anyways, lower, lower end wide receiver one for Adam Thielen for me, my wide receiver 11, Alex's wide receiver 12. And Alec, that's everyone on your list. Uh-huh. So now my wide receiver 12, who's a guy, he's consistently risen up my board. I wanted to put him as a wide receiver one right off the bat and I couldn't do it. And then with player opt-outs, injuries, et cetera, Terry McLaurin has officially broken into my wide receiver ones as my wide receiver 12. I just think the opportunity there is too good. We saw this guy last year on a terrible team. Terrible. Awful. He put up – like, and this is – as a rookie, he was competing against number one defense, number one cornerbacks, because there's no one else there. So there's a lot of like, oh, can he compete with like number one opposing defenders? Well, he already has, and he already did it really well. So his rookie year, he played 14 games. 93 targets 58 receptions 919 yards and seven touchdowns as a rookie third round pick no one expected him to do what he did now he has the full expectation based especially based on who they drafted they didn't draft anyone to compete with him for the, the wide receiver one he is their guy full expectation of being the first read i expect haskins to take a step up i know haskins was Pretty terrible last year, but we talked about it in an older episode where, with the NFL and rookie quarterbacks, everyone in the mother will say he needs to sit for a year, learn the NFL, learn the game speed, learn how to read defenses. And then these guys get thrown into a starting role, whether it's because of injury or the team sucks and they want to see what they have. And then that quarterback struggles so hard. It's like, well, that's because they didn't get the year you said they needed. So, no one should be surprised that Haskins had a lot of p- growing pains when he was asked to start. But Haskins and McLaurin were electric at Ohio State. Haskins was like, he was who the Giants wanted, and they took Danny Dimes. So, this guy was supposed to be a top five pick, top six pick, and he fell to Washington. And now I think the McLaurin and Haskins connection can really kind of come to fruition. Haskins is a guy who's worked his ass off this offseason. He's lost a bunch of weight. He's really taking this seriously, and he is competing for that starting job like like he doesn't have it. And I think there is a fair case to say like he might not have it. The uh, the Redskins, now led by Ron Rivera, brought in Kyle Allen, who— it's whoa, whoa, What? It's
1: the Washington football team. Oh,
0: phew. my apologies. Washington football team. Good catch all What a dog shit name. Um, the football team— Brought in Kyle Allen, probably at the request of Ron Rivera, who drafted Kyle Allen to the Panthers. So there's something there, I think, that maybe we need to pay attention to. I don't think Kyle Allen was better than Dwayne Haskins. So anyways, back to McLaurin. I think with the injury of Calvin Harmon, you're looking at a guy like Steven Sims, who, great story, little slot guy who could, he's not going to demand a high target share. Antonio Gandy-Golden played at Liberty University. Small school, huge frame, tons of potential with Gandy-Golden, but there's going to be growing pains. He played and dominated at a very small college, but now he's playing in the NFL against better defenders than he's ever played against, probably in his whole life. Um, Antonio Gibson, running back wide receiver hybrid. He could be on the field more, but... For some reason, there's a lot of doubt surrounding him. I love Gibson, especially as a late round flyer. Like he's creeping up into like the ninth or tenth round, but now with Darius Geis being cut, phew, give me Gibson all day. But there's no standouts at tight end. I don't see anyone else on the football team, the Washington football team, demanding targets like Terium Clarnwell. I have him up at 144. 89 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns again. Or not again, sorry. One more touchdown than last year, just because he's going to be in that one role all year. So, anything you have McLaurin at 19, right?
1: I do. And I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said. I think, I mean, last year you saw a team that was just very, I mean, they were dog shit. Uh, They didn't have a lot of wide receivers, options at wide receiver. Uh, I mean, their tight ends weren't even really that great. I feel like you're putting a lot of focus on McLaurin's success, on the improvement of Dwayne Haskins. And I don't know that it's necessarily there. I mean, I – I just don't know that. I mean, yeah, and in college they were probably good. I mean, if you look at the Big Ten, uh, I mean, it's they're decent at football. That's not what it used to be. I mean, you have Ohio State, Michigan,
0: Iowa, Wisconsin. It's about yeah, and you the know, Iowa, teams.
1: Iowa and Wisconsin kind of go fluctuate each year of like whether they're good or not. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they, there's there's not. People, I don't know, people go off about the Big Ten being like a good football conference, and, you know, they can be. I think they're they're not that way every year. Yeah,
0: he was always on a national stage because he played at Ohio State. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. There's a handful of games that are kind of gimmies.
1: But, like, players, defenses in college, those players aren't as elite as defenses you see in the NFL. I mean, it's a completely different game. But
0: the thing is – I mean,
1: and McLaurin, as a rookie, had success. He torched them. Yeah, against those players but you don't know that Dwayne Haskins is going to have that success.
0: I think as long as he's better than he was last year.
1: But I don't know that he's going to have that. I don't he could be better, but I don't know. It's going to be a very big jump from Mc, for McLaurin to go from what wide receiver 25 where he was last 27. year.
0: 27 where he was last year to wide receiver 12. I think the that opportunity is huge jump. Oh, it is just like a wide receiver four to wide receiver 25 with Cooper Cup is a huge fall. The opportunity that McLaurin sees is the reason that jump is there. McLaurin is an elite athlete, four three speed. His contested catch is unreal. Mm-hmm. He's he's so good. He's just so well rounded as a receiver. He's a good route runner, he can burn you over the top. And I saw like there were some throws last year that Haskins made that were just jaw dropping, like in a good way. He threw a ball that m- you maybe say shouldn't have been thrown, but it was an amazing completion. You're like, oh wow, he can do that. So I don't think Haskins is going to be like a top 15 quarterback in fantasy or in real life. He may never reach that, but if he improves and this rapport between him and McLaurin is kind of tapped back into at this level, I agree the defenders are better. But the players are also getting better too. And yeah, McLaurin with the opt-outs before the it was Kelvin Harmon, You know, like I didn't have Harmon with a significant amount of targets. But before he opted, or not opt out, he he tore his ACL, which sucks. But before that happened, I had McLaurin at like 17, wide receiver 17. So it was right down around where you have him. But when I redistributed the targets there, and now with guys going out, I haven't man, I've been slacking. I haven't taking Geiss's work away and redistributed that. So I had Geis at, let me see here, But 40 targets, 45 targets. So those are gone. Those are going somewhere else, and those could very well land in McLaurin's lap. So McLaurin could end up as wide receiver 11 or 10 by the time I'm done getting rid of Geis' targets. So I just think the opportunities there and the talent, like there's no arguing McLaurin is so talented so you could have argued maybe that he had the best year of the rookie wide receivers last year and he was on the worst team like there's no doubting the redskins picked second they were terrible but aj brown got all the hype and the love because the titans made a playoff run and he had just an insane second half McLaurin was electric early and often throughout the year he kind of faded toward the end but that was when Haskins was kind of getting his feet wet in the NFL, and I mean we all knew how that was going to go. It wasn't going to be pretty, and it wasn't. And now it's only up from here. And yeah, I just think McLaurin is he's in a good spot. There's no one competing with him for targets, so that's why he's 12 for me. Wide receiver one. I don't have him as like wide receiver six, but yeah, he's got huge upside. So. Anything else you want to add on our top 12 guys?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: This is amazing. man. So it is Thursday, the 13th. We usually release these on Mondays. It's 11.30 p.m. It's been a grind of a week, but appreciate the patience of our listeners. Hopefully this, this pod finds you well. We're going to go ahead and dip out. I'm going to bed, getting up at... Six. Alex got to drive home. We're exhausted. Top 12 wide receiver rankings for 2020. Hope you enjoy. We'll see you guys next time. Subscribe, write, and review. Always. Uh,
1: Podcast Or not spotcast. Spotify, Apple pods. <laughs> spotcast. <laughs> um, you know, share. Wherever on, you can uh, find sa- podcasts. Share it on social media. Tell a friend. Yep.
0: We'll see you guys next time.